Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan. We've had, you know, many many challenges in our in my career and but this is just something else it, it's just unbelievable the coronavirus patients are taking up the beds so the beds aren't there to deal with with the cancer patients the real limiting step for this has been the supply of the vaccine um, gps all over northern ireland are standing ready chomping up a bit to get this done um, these patients it was like they won the lottery when you said to them that they could have their vaccine. These people have by and large been locked in their homes and this is their, this is their passport to freedom. You've just been listening to Dr. Francis O'Hagan, who is our guest on this episode of Arma Eyes podcast. Dr. O'Hagan is a senior partner at the Friary Surgery in Armagh, as well as being deputy chair of the British Medical Association GP Committee in Northern Ireland. She spoke to me, your host Elaine Ingram, about the way medical practitioners are running their practices in this changed COVID world, um, the pressures that they're under and how they've been dealing it along with their staff and their patients. Um, she talks about the rollout of the Oxford AstraZeneca um, COVID vaccine and how well it's been received. And she also talks about her hopes for the future and how and when she thinks that we'll get back to some semblance of normality. So let's hear what Dr. O'Hagan has to say. Thank you very much, um, Dr. O'Hagan, for, for um, speaking to me this morning. I'm sure you're uh, to say you're busy is is a vast understatement. That would be very true indeed. It is indeed. We are exceedingly busy at the minute, both in practice and in the COVID centres. And now we're starting to roll out the COVID vaccine as well, all of which is new work. So yes, indeed, we're very busy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been, this has to be the hardest time for GP surgeries. I mean, I know you've had a tough in, in recent years. You've lost a lot of GPs and, you know, you've spoken about that. But um, this must be the hardest thing you've faced in, you know, ever. Oh, absolutely, ever. Um, we've had, you know, many, many challenges in our in my career. and But this is just something else. It, it's just unbelievable. And certainly at the minute we have you know so many patients uh, who are positive so many patients who are admitted to the hospital so many relatives who now have empty seats at their tables um and it's just you know raging its way through our community and that's all on top of you know that's something we haven't dealt with before this is traditionally one of our one of our busiest times of the year um and it's just it's it's it, it's nearly unbelievable. It's 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 very difficult to quantify just how difficult it is. Yeah, I mean, there's 67 patients in intensive care at the moment, I believe, um, in Northern Ireland, uh, 832 patients in the hospitals, and you know it's unprecedented. I mean, these numbers are the highest ever. Yes, and remember, whenever those patients are being looked after, which they absolutely have to be, um, 
the, those beds are not being filled by the patients that would traditionally fill those beds. So we have um, patients that um, are not being cared for that would normally have been cared for all our, our, our surgeries, all our red flag, which is our cancer work, all that sitting on pause at the minute um, because this virus <clears throat> is rampant in our community and is, is affecting so many people and hence is taking up those precious beds that would normally be used to deal with you know, all the other illnesses that would, that would happen at this time of the year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is flu season and um, particularly for older people. But you you mentioned the cancer patients there, you know, that, you know, having to choose between, you know, cancer patients and coronavirus patients. It must be, you know, very difficult thing, decisions that the, that the government has, has been making lately. Well, basically, um, <clears throat> the coronavirus patients are taking up the beds. So the beds are yeah. there to deal with, with the cancer patients. And as well as that. If you're a cancer patient and you um, come in contact with the coronavirus, you know, your your immunity is weakened and that, that makes you more vulnerable and more at risk, especially those cancers, you know, for example, the hematological cancers, the cancers that are, you know, are affecting patients with blood cancers. Those patients are exceedingly vulnerable to the coronavirus. So if they're admitted and come in contact with the virus, then that's a huge risk in itself. So they have to weigh up the risk of these patients who need, you know, say they need an urgent um, medical procedure, um, whether they're going to come in contact with the virus, that, that risk has to be weighed up then. Yes, absolutely. Now, if you become acutely unwell um, and you have something uh, that, that's very urgent, if you have sepsis or you have, you know, for example, uh, require urgent emergency surgery, that's still going to happen. But trying to keep those patients away from coronavirus, um, both out of the hospital and in the hospital. I mean, th these people could have contacted in their own home. Um, then there's the risk. There's so many patients with the virus in the hospital as well. I mean, that that's just a massive dilemma for, for doctors. And even keeping your own health staff, you know, healthy as well. Absolutely. There's huge numbers of, you know, it's not just about beds. You know, if you put a patient in a bed, somebody has to look after them. So it's not just physically about the, the physical amount of beds. You need staff to look after those patients. And, you know, that's part of the reason why outpatients and, and other um, facilities are being paired right back to the bone is those staff are being taken to look after those additional patients. We also have large numbers of staff who either have the virus themselves or are self-isolating, so can't go into work. Um, so <clears throat> it's really the perfect storm. Yeah, it really is. And things like the um, um, the track and tracing now, what has the uptake mm -hmm. been for that? Because initially, you know, that was, you know, it was the great thing that was coming out. But anecdotally, I don't know if there's any, you, you, you would imagine that people are maybe afraid to, if they if somebody gets a um, 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 notification saying that they've been in contact and then they have to go and, you know, take two weeks off work, even though they feel, feel perfectly healthy. Do you think there's maybe a little bit of um, people that are becoming more reluctant as, as time has dragged on with this? Yeah, as, as time has gone on, people have got fed up. There's no question about it. Um, now, I would like to think that most people, if they're asked to isolate, that they will. Um, but there is the risk. I mean, there are people who are not paid if they're not at work. Um, and there is the risk that people will go on ahead. 
um, and that that's a massive risk, and it's it's so so dangerous, um, and and you know our numbers are still really really high and really high in the Southern Trust area. Um, I, I just hope that people w- would obey the rules and would self isolate. But it is a challenge to get everyone who's been in contact with with a positive case. It's a challenge to reach them all and to let them know to self-isolate. While Track and Trace is working away, the numbers are just so vast. You know, it's it's difficult to see how they can get around every single contact. Yeah, and you yeah you mentioned there you know the the that people are getting you know fed up because it's going on so long. Even things like I've noticed myself. Uh, do you remember in the first lockdown, um, people were at, at petrol stations, you know, using gloves and everything. I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time I saw that. So, do we just need to get become more vigilant again? Because it's worse now. Yeah, we do. We just look at the numbers every day. You know, the numbers are, are yes, they're down a bit, but they're by no means down to where they should be. Um, the numbers are still huge. It's still very possible um, to pass this on. Um, you know, I agree with you. This first, the first, this lockdown does not feel like the first. You know, obviously, I've still been going out every day because that's that's my job and I have to. But I mean, in the first lockdown, the roads were empty. There didn't appear to be anyone about. Um, that that just, it doesn't feel the same this time round. No, there's just as many cars in the road now. Uh, you know, and that's without the school traffic. Yeah. So, so it it just goes to show the people. But that could that's you know, often is necessity, you know, there, there, people have to work and, you know, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either, but it just doesn't feel as restricted as the first time around. Um, yeah. I, I'm not really sure why that is, but it, that's just the feel of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you, you've had so much experience yourself now. Do you, do you think that, um, if you had been a younger doctor, you know, starting out, your experience has that helped you in any way being able to you know deal with the pressure yeah I think there's no doubt as you move through your medical career um you get uh, you know as you come across things and you gain experience you do also gain that level of confidence um and yes absolutely I have to say that um I feel that you know my my wealth of experience has definitely helped and has helped with decision making and and um just you know my, my general confidence um it's if you're you know I, I would have to say if this was my first um placement and I was just out this this would be so so daunting um I find it very daunting and um I've I've um, been in medicine for almost 30 years you know if, if this is your first experience of medicine I would feel very very sorry for you and what does you know just take us through what does an actual day in your like you go into your surgery and what are you facing every day now you know? well I, I can i um uh, have have two options in my day um i can be in the surgery or i can be in our covid center so in the first instance in the surgery um we're normally in and at our desk shortly before eight we need to get you know our blood results checked that have come down from the day before um get our letters checked and then see if there's anyone we need to contact, depending on what comes in on that. Um, our phone's open at half eight. <clears throat> Everyone is asked to, as, as it's known now, phone first. So um, Are people complying with that? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and people understand the reason for it. You can't just walk into a surgery because if you walk into a surgery and you're positive, you're going to infect everybody that's there. So we must protect all our other patients and we must protect our staff as well. So people understand the rationale behind it. And, you know, the vast majority of patients now totally understand that our reception staff are totally bound by confidentiality. They're not really interested in, in what the issue is other than making sure that the GP has enough information to move on uh, and they get the details down and they move to the next patient. Um, so the, it is really, really important that you give the receptionist sufficient details so that the doctor can find the sickest people first. You know, to, to to give bare minimum details and then when the doctor does eventually get round to you and finds it's something completely different, that, that's not helping anybody. Um, we must know what it is you're phoning about that day so that we can pick out the people. We don't phone you back in, in order of people who happen to just have got in first in the queue. We phone you back depending on the details that you have given um, the receptionist. So it's really important that you give sufficient detail so that the receptionist can give us sufficient detail to be able to say, right, okay, I need to ring this person next. This person has chest pain. This person has, you know, is suffering badly from the virus, whatever, versus, you know, I'd like to talk about the blood results that got done three weeks ago. You know, the, the, there's, it, it has to be a, an order yeah. of priority. So <clears throat> we move down through the list, uh, prioritise the patients depending on what they've said to the receptionist and ring them back. And when we ring the patient back, we can then decide, we can have a chat to them and we can decide, um, depending on what their problem is that day, um, do we need to give them a prescription? Do we need to organise some bloods? Do we need to give just some general advice or do we need to see that person or does that person need seen in the COVID centre? So um, if you, you or your child or anyone has symptoms that could possibly be COVID, we will not bring you into the surgery. We cannot bring you into the surgery because that will endanger the patients we are bringing in. We can't have you in the same waiting room. So, But we will arrange an appropriate assessment in the COVID centre by other GPs. So the patients that we bring in, we bring them in um, at an appointed time. We ask them to come at the time they're appointed because we are, you know, all the GPs can see who's bringing patients in and we try to arrange, uh, um, it's, it's staggered so that we have the, the least number of patients in the waiting room at any one time. So we very much ask that if you're given a time to come, it's so important that you come at that time. Um, otherwise, we will end up with more more people in the waiting room than we want, because obviously there's always the case that people could be infectious and haven't shown symptoms yet. So we, we're trying to protect everyone, <clears throat> and then we will see the patients um, and and deal with them in the usual manner. Um, if we're sending someone to the COVID centre, we have a rota between all the practices, and um, it are it's GPs that are in the COVID centre. So when it's my turn to go to the COVID centre, I will be there either in a morning session or an afternoon session, um, and I will um, see patients from all the practices um, in our area um, in Dungannon, and it's done in a very controlled manner. There, the patients are brought in one at a time. Um, there's no wait. You wait in the car. You're again brought over at a time so that you're staggered. You're brought in. Um, you're seen, and um, uh, the 
you're then taken out again a different entrance so that you're not meeting other people and it's in a very controlled organized manner um, and it is it's it's a gp assessment just like it would be in your own surgery but you're safe and other people coming to the center are safe as well and obviously the gps are wearing full ppe you know i i'm sure this is stuff that you've never had to deal with and that and that's where your experience comes in obviously prioritizing people and you know going down that list as you say and yeah. um but you know has it been another part of your job now would be keeping the spirits up amongst the your staff and the patients that you're calling and patients that are, are knowing that they have to wait on a list and you know maybe they're panicking and stuff like that so that's another thing that you have to do well patients patients can always ring back if they're you know between ringing in and, and us ringing them back if something has changed with their condition they can always ring us back and let us know that something else has happened and we can reprioritize them to bring them back to the top of the list and our receptions are good at letting us know if something if something like that has happened um we talk about a feel-good factor yes it's it's um another challenge to keep our staff on board and 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 keep everybody's uh, spirits up but i've got to say um my staff are amazing, absolutely amazing. I work with a great team, um, and they are—they have been just so wonderful through this, and they—they they have all backed each other up. And I'm sure that's the same throughout. You know, most of our, or all of our GP practices, but certainly my staff have been absolutely amazing. Um, but when when you talk about the feel good factor of, of interest, one of the one of the best days that we have had since this all started was the day that we invited in our over 80s. That's just in the last week. We invited in our over 80s to have their flu vaccine, their COVID vaccines. The, the atmosphere was amazing. The patients were so grateful. Everyone was delighted. We had 100% turnout from the patients that we invited. I have never, ever in my time done a clinic where we had 100% turnout. They were all so delighted to get their vaccine. They were thrilled. They were in fantastic form. They, you know, the atmosphere that day in the practice was just amazing. And we had some really lovely messages afterwards about how grateful they were and how um, easy it was and how easy we made it to get the patients in. Um, so I'm really looking forward now whenever the government will allow us to, to call our next cohort, which will be the over 75s. As soon as they give us vaccine for that group, we'll be ready and willing to, to do it all over again. So the, the, the over 80s, you've, you've finished with um, that group now. They had the Pfizer vaccine, is that correct? No, no. Um, the Pfizer vaccine has been given in the trust. So the only over 80s who get the Pfizer vaccine are in the nursing homes and they have, they're more or less finished, the nursing homes. Um, we have been given the Oxford or the AstraZeneca vaccine and we, we are tasked to give it to patients who are able to come into us. Um, so <clears throat> the, there are a few housebound patients still left to do. Um, and that will be organised by our district nursing team, just like the housebound flu patients. Um, we're still waiting on uh, some de definitive direction on the ability to move the vaccine about um, because each vial contains 10 vaccine. So it's not like the traditional flu where you'd have taken one vaccine out to a house. Um, the nurses will have to have 10 patients lined up and do 10 house visits in a row yeah. to be able to use the vial appropriately so we don't we don't have any wastage this is such a precious commodity we don't want to waste not one dose um 
so um, we've been tasked to vaccinate our the cohort of patients with with that vaccine, and that's the one we will continue to use. And remember, all patients need a second dose, and the second dose for the Oxford vaccine is recommended at ten to twelve weeks. Unlike the Pfizer, it's recommended. Um, after three weeks, but this one is recommended between 10 and 12 weeks. So we'll have to call everyone back again at that time interval, but we will do that. Yeah, it's interesting that you say you you, know, you had 100% turnout. That's that's amazing. But um, do you think maybe because of the the age demographic, because, you know, you know, it's no secret that the, you know, the, the vaccine has been quite divisive amongst people and there are, you know, the people out there that are wary of it and of both. For, for obvious reasons that you know that the it's taken you know it's been a lot quicker than what it normally would be for a vaccine to be approved and all the rest of we we know all about that but do you think that you're go, do you expect to get such high numbers as you go down the list of um you know when you get to the regular patients the younger patients maybe or healthier patients uh, to have an uptake and will that have an effect on the uh, on how effective the vaccine is well yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, as I say, never in my career of doing any clinic have I had a hundred percent turnout. Um, and and anecdotally, um, among um my my colleagues, they're saying the same thing, um, that they're absolutely delighted with the turnout in this age group. Um, these patients, it was like they won the lottery when you said to them that they could have their vaccine, these people have by and large been locked in their homes and this is their this is their passport to freedom. Um and it'll be interesting to see as we go down the groups what the the, the uptake is. But the other group of patients, you know, talking to my trust colleagues who are who are given the Pfizer vaccine, there was a lot of talk about the Pfizer vaccine, but when it came to it, you know, the the uptake among the staff has been um, really, really good, um, because the uh, you know the the staff that have been offered it uh, have been uh, dealing on the front line with patients with COVID, and they've seen what has happened. So um, certainly, the uptake among staff has been very high. The uptake among this this age group has been very high. I just wonder, you know, there's all this talk about, oh, you know, I wouldn't do it for this, that, and the other reason, but when it actually comes your turn to be offered it. I just wonder how many people will go. No, I'll take my chance. I know it's one thing saying it, but when it, but put it this way, you know, talking to all my colleagues, um, I just thought, well, there's no anti-vaxxers over eighty in in Armagh, but that's been the the case right across the province, um, and I, I just wonder when it actually comes to it and it's your turn and you're said you can have the vaccine. I I just wonder uh, where people put their money where their mouth is and actually not take it. I I, I don't know. I'll see. Yeah, because I mean, it's it. I suppose for all sorts of things as well. You know, the, the airlines are talking about, you know, not being able to travel as well if people don't take it. So that's another thing that people might say. Well, if if they're not sure about the actual vaccine, they might say, well, if I want to go on my summer holidays next year, maybe I, you know. Maybe well, I think Saga came out this morning. Now, I know they deal majority with with. Uh, people over 50 but they have come back this morning to say that they'll not be accepting any buckets from somebody who hasn't been vaccinated yeah yeah i think that might be something that's going to roll out amongst a lot of a lot of holiday places how many vaccines have you actually administered to date 
Um, I would need to check. We've only administered our over 80s, that's all we have administered. So that's in an Oh, and we have also vaccinated our own staff because that's we were asked to do that. Obviously, the staff need to be vaccinated to be able to give the vaccine. So um, it's around about the 300 mark. But look, we're ready to go. The minute they give us more vaccine, we'll be out there putting it in people's arms. The rate limiting step for this has been the supply of the vaccine. Um, GPs all over Northern Ireland are standing ready, chomping up the bit to get this done. Um, until they give us vaccine, until we have more vaccine in our fridges, we can't do it. Yeah. Um, and I know they're on the TV saying, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that. The reality is we haven't got the vaccine to do it. We, you know, we were lucky in that we have last week got all our over 80s. Some, some of the practices in Northern Ireland have not, well, will only be getting um, the, the balance of their over 80s um, in the next few days. And you've got to remember to run a vaccine or run any sort of clinic, you have to be able to say, okay, um, I have to get the vaccine. I then have to wait and actually get the delivery. Then I have to contact these patients. Then I have to set up a clinic. Then I have to stop doing everything else I'm doing and just turn on emergency cover. And then we have to get everybody in the practice, you know, working to, to run the clinic. It is a huge body of work. So, you know, don't underestimate that the, 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 the size of this task, but we will get it done but we're limited. We are waiting on them to give us more vaccines. We would vaccinate our over 75s, our over 70s or whoever else the minute they give us the vaccine. But until they give us the vaccine, we can't do it. So the message, you know, please, if the message is anything to get out to the public to say, look, if you are not contacted by your practice, your practice doesn't have your vaccine, stop ringing them. There's no point in ringing them because all you're doing is blocking the phones and stopping them when they actually do get the vaccine ringing their patients to get them in. Once we have your vaccine, we will ring you. Don't The very, message is very clear. Don't ring us, we'll ring you. Yeah, and do, have they given you any indication of when you're going to get the next um, the next cohort of vaccine? Because I know the UK have been kind of, are, are one of the top countries in terms of the amount of vaccine that they do have, but them having it and you having it are two different things, as you just said. Absolutely, getting it into our fridge. Well, they're telling us within the next couple of weeks so as I say, we're at their mercy, but be very reassured the minute that we have got a vaccine, um, we will we will contact the, the, the people that are due it and we will give it to them. And the other thing to be very clear about is the government is being very, very clear with us that um, to get uh, um, to they're giving us only the, the numbers of vaccines that um, we have patients in that group. So we can't just say, let's say they give this the over 75s next. We can't just say, um, oh, that's okay. Sure, we'll give a few um, to somebody who's 60 or somebody who's whatever age. We're not. We've been giving them on a name patient basis. We have to submit our numbers or, or they know our numbers of patients in that group. They will only give us that amount of vaccines. So if I was to give a vaccine to somebody outside that group, I'm giving somebody else's vaccine away and that that we can't do that. Is it only the people that are registered in your surgery that you're administering the vaccine to or is it any, anybody in that age group you know that it presents to you or that that are, well obviously you're sending out the invitation so is it only people that are registered with the surgery or 
Are yeah, the only them? people that we've given outside the people that are registered with surgery is our staff, and that's just a one-off. Um, a small amount of people is, is the staff. Um, but other than that, it is absolutely only the people that are on our own books. So your own GP will be the person who calls you. Yeah, and that that's so that's going to be the same for all the, the GP, all the surgeries around Armagh and everywhere else. And what are yeah. the next group of people then? It's the over 75s? Yeah, and yeah. then and then does it come? The, and the next group then is the people with the next um, group will be with medical issues like, yeah, yeah, the clinically very vulnerable and the over seventies. It's people, for example, people who have had um, transplants or people who have um, blood cancers or um, people who have asthma in itself is not enough. It's it's extremely yeah. severe asthma. Um, it's it's the people that would have been previously okay. shielding. And then it moves on to from there. Down the age groups then. It'll move down the age groups and then it'll move to, um, as far as I'm aware, we'll be tasked to going down as far as the over 50s, plus anyone who would have ordinarily been offered a flu vaccine in the past. Um, and that's anybody over 18. It, the the uh, vaccine we're given is only licensed for people over 18. Right. Have you? Uh, what about the flu vaccine now? Have you had um, much of an uptake for that, you know, given what's what's going on? Or are people neglecting the flu vaccine? No, we um, the flu vaccine was a really good campaign this year. And we recently were given more vaccine to vaccinate anyone between 50 and 64 who hadn't got it. Um, and we organised that ourselves um, last week uh, uh, and gave that out to that group of patients as well. Right. So uh, have you yourself now... Um, you must be under huge pressure. Are you working longer hours? Are you finding, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, we are working longer hours and everybody is do, doing so much more um, than they did before. Uh, uh, but look, it has to be done. You know, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Um, it has What's to be done. What's been the biggest challenge for you so far in, in this whole thing, you know, in terms of your own personal life? Um, it's just, it's just, it's been relenting and it's, you know, if you had told me last, last March, we'd still be at this nearly a year later. Um, I, I don't know that, um, I could, uh, could have stuck it, you know, you know, you, 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 you go over and above because you think you're going over and above for a short period of time. I suppose the, the biggest difficulty has been the length of time that this has gone on. Yeah. And, and it's, it's worse now than it ever I was. I know, yeah. I, yeah, it does seem to just be going on and on forever. Um, but and and you, I mean, you've got to keep you. I mean, you are just a human being as well. People think like their doctors, you know, are the the saviors and all this. But at the same time, you've got your own life and you've got your own family. And you know, personally, it must be very very trying for you. Yeah, I'm blessed by the fact that my family have been really supportive. But I mean. GPs, doctors in general, anyone who works in the front line would not be able to do this and not be able to go over and above unless we've had supportive families. My family have been amazing and um, have allowed me to work all the hours that God sent. And I mean, it's not just the it's not just the physical seeing of patients. Um, I have a second role in um, my role as, as a representative of GPs um, and as a deputy chair of the Northern Ireland GP Committee. So that involves me on my day off, basically doing back to back Zooms all day, um, you know, you know, trying to organize uh, 
regionally stuff for GPs. So um, that that is and that does frequently go on into the late evening as well. Um, but again, it's what you have to do. Um, it's the job you do, and you just get on with it. And all GPs, you know, are just have risen to the challenge and got on with it. Yeah, I mean, I know you have children. They're 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 older. They're in their twenties, like like myself. Are they um, in mm-hmm. university or anything? Have they been struggling? Yes, um, I have my, my our, our youngest is um, in his final year in university, and it's been really strange because it has all been remote. It's all been from home, so he he hasn't had that. Um, you know, and, and a lot of last myself, year was from yeah, home. That's it's very hard. You know, it's it's really strange that they're not getting that university experience. You know, it's really really. Um, I, I don't know. It's difficult for them. Uh, I also um, I, I've got to say one of probably what I'm looking forward to most this year, or I'm hoping um, our oldest son is due to get married at the end of the year, oh. and I'm really hoping that we'll be able to celebrate that. Um, with family and friends that would be something I'd be really looking forward to yeah by the end of the year hopefully my sister got married there last year and it was you know the behind the masks there's only yeah. a couple of people there do you when do you think that um yeah. life will return to some sort of norm- normality realistically probably to you know probably towards the end of the year probably I'm hoping um, but sure, as I say, if you told me last year, I'd still be doing this nearly a year later. Um, I'd have said, look, wise up. But, you know, realistically, to get enough people vaccinated, the, the rate limiting step will be the supply of vaccine. But if the supply of vaccine comes in and people get vaccinated, you would like to think towards the end of the summer, beginning of the autumn, we'd start to see some form of normality, I hope. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too optimistic, well, but I really hope so. I think in your in your position, um, you have to be optimistic. I mean, I don't think you'd be able to do what you do if you weren't optimistic, you know. Yeah. But I suppose it's a case of just ploughing on, and like all of us, we have to just we just have to get on with it and just hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you've got a busy day ahead of you, I'm sure. Um. Yeah, I do indeed. Yeah. As you can see, my phone has been gone off there several times yeah and I apologize for that no not at all thank you so much um doctor for for taking the time to talk to us and um filling us in with with what's going on and um hopefully those vaccines will get rolled out and you'll have just as high an uptake in the next um cohort as you have had because I think that's you know realistically that's the only way we're we're going to get out of this um lockdown situation where we're you know in lockdown and out of lockdown otherwise god knows you know this could go on for a lot longer Absolutely, we have to have some hope. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much, um, Dr. O'Hagan, for speaking to us. No problem. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye now. Bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to that conversation with Dr. O'Hagan and what she had to say. Um, We have some great guests coming up on our podcast in the coming weeks, so make sure you keep your eye out for those and keep getting all of your local news from Arma Eye. Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh, 
Fill up your tank for a rainy day with Count de Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 223. Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan.